we are going to jump in on today. Uh, and so if you will, I encourage you again, go ahead, subscribe. If you're not a part of our YouTube family, give this video a thumbs up if you've been blessed so far. And not only that, I encourage you to uh, invite, share this online. Even if you're watching in the replay, give it a share uh, so, that, so that people uh, can be blessed as well. Praise the Lord. And so in this moment, why don't we go ahead and, yep. and jump in and, and we're going to share a scripture today. So our scripture for today will be Revelation 7, um, verses 9 and 10. Yes. Turn your Bibles. It'll be on the screen. And I'm going to read. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. In verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne yeah. and to the Lamb. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you. What an opportunity we get to speak, Lord. And I pray that people will be impacted by the word way um, today. I pray that there'll be revelation. I pray that you will supernaturally just change people's lives, yes, Lord, God. through this message. And God, we pray for every church in this community yes, that God. is preaching your gospel, Lord, from all the way to the east, all the way to the west. God, we know that, you know, we champion churches. We're in no competition, but they are co-laborers. So thank you for what you're doing. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You ready, babe? I'm ready. Okay. Well, listen, I, I'm excited. And uh, in this moment, you know, I just want to highlight when we're talking about race and we're talking about relationships, I think a lot of uh, our perspective has to do with how we're raised, mm -hmm. right? You know, how we're raised, our background, our upbringing. These are things that matter and that play a massive role in or as it pertains to our perspective. And, you know, for me, I'm, yo fam, I'm from, I'm from the hood. You hear me uh, reference Malvern often. Uh, I was born in Plainfield, New Jersey. And when I was one year old, uh, my family moved here. So that's why I don't really rep New Jersey like that because I wasn't really there long enough to know anything about it. Uh, but my family moved to Empringham. So if you're from uh, Malvern, if you're from Toronto, you know where Emps is, right? So like that was my, the first place that I lived. And between Malvern and Glendower, um, that is where I was raised. You know, uh, and I live in Malvern right now. <laughs> so I still live in Malvern, even though we've uh, gone away to the States. We lived in the States for 14 years, and I came back, and my family still lives in Malvern. So I grew up in an environment that uh, is diverse, but is predominantly visible minorities. Um, and not only that, I also went to a private school. So I didn't really, I went to Silver Springs Public School, which is in Glendower, um, the Glendower neighborhood area. Uh, but when I was maybe like in the fourth grade, I think fourth or fifth grade, um, I went over to, uh, to a private school, a Christian school. But that Christian school was predominantly black, right? <laughs> predominantly black. And, you know, so that was my experience. The majority of my teachers were black, you know, and so everyone else was a minority and they stuck out like sore thumbs, you know what I mean? And, but nonetheless, it was, um, that was my experience. So I, I did not grow up with a diverse um, sort of an experience, having you know, different races and nationalities that were prevalent in my life. It was predominantly black, even my church. <laughs> so then not only you know, neighborhood uh, and also my scholastic backdrop, but now also an, in an ecclesiastical context or a church context, it was predominantly black. You know, my, my, the pastor was black, 
The majority of the people were freshies, as we would say, uh, from, <laughs> from throughout the, um, you know, the West Indies and people who were immigrants in that regard, and which I love, 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 love. And, um, you know, but that was my experience growing up. And for me, yeah. I actually was born in Edmonton, Alberta. Come on, the west side of Canada. Who rates Edmonton, fam? A lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but I moved to Ontario when I was about 14 months old, so home is here, Ontario. But I was raised in the east end in Durham. Come on, my Durham peeps. Everyone's moving to Durham. Come on. Um, but I raised... <laughs> yes. I didn't say nothing. Go ahead. Durham. I grew up in Durham, but, you know, my, my background is I went to a, um, a, a very... Caucasian white elementary school, but a very diverse high school. But from elementary, kindergarten, all the way, I, sit, I, went, I had my master's, my undergrad, I never had a, um, a black teacher at all. So wow. my experience has been very white with education. Um, but the people that attended my school were from all over the world. I went to a private school in Oshawa that people from like Korea, um, Bermuda, and just, uh, I don't know, Costa Rica, anywhere you name, they were pretty much at my school. So I had very a wealth of experience with diverse communities. Also, I worked with a lot of multicultural people at, at my jobs in the past. And so my experience in general was in a white context of education and even church. I would have to say my church family was very um, white. My pastor was white. Um, the worship team was white. Everyone's wife, which I... I love them, but I had a different upbringing than my husband. So it was very interesting when we came together. Our yeah, experiences definitely. were very, very different. Yeah, I mean, we, it, it's just my perspective on the world, my perspective on a lot of things, even being treated, which we'll you know, speak candidly about. Um, there were things that I did not know, things that were, I was very naive about. Um, even before getting into that, like just the relationships. I wasn't really comfortable. I, didn't, um, I never really had white friends. In fact, the only white friends that I had in my context, um, and I'm, again, this is many years ago, um, they were racist to me, or they've made, or they made um, judgmental statements, you know, even, um, and microaggressive statements, you know, growing up. So that was what I experienced. I didn't have language for it. I didn't know how to, like, verbalize this was happening, which is the case with a lot of children who grow up, you know, who are visible minorities, they don't really have the language. And so it wasn't until later in life when I even had language uh, because of my wife, you know, in regards. So um, my friendships, because I was predominantly comfortable with black people, um, that was, and visible minorities just in general, those were the type of people I connected with. Um, although, and I didn't really have any, any friends of and I would other say races. That you didn't know how to navigate the system. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What system, ma'am? No, there's a system out there that where you work and you play, um, there's definitely a system that, because I grew up in a diverse background, I've had different experiences. Um, when I would go to job interviews, I would understand certain um, undertones in conversation. And we would be in the same meeting, and my husband's like, oh, no, man, like, they're just love us. It's great. And I'm like, did you not hear what they just said? Yeah. And you wouldn't read between the lines because you just didn't really know. The naivety was like on 5,000, you know, like, because for me, I didn't grow up, although I had the experiences that I did um, where people made microaggressive statements, you know, teachers, like, when I, like, again, when I was in the fifth grade, I'll never forget what my white teacher uh, looked at me and said, you're going to be nothing more than a track runner or a truck driver, you know? And back then, 
You know, I was just like, obviously, there's nothing wrong with people who run track uh, or drive trucks. Both of y'all probably make more money than me anyway. Uh, but nonetheless, you, they, were, they were trying to um, put me into a box, trying to limit me with that verbiage. Um, it was a microaggressive statement. It was a limiting statement. And I didn't note that as, although I know it was you know, rude, I didn't note it as a racist statement or a microaggressive statement. And then even going forward into various other things, like, you know, because of that, that didn't really shape the way I dealt with people. So I would, you know, people would say stuff to me and it would just be water off a duck's back. It wouldn't, I wouldn't notice it. It wouldn't be on my radar. Whereas, you know, power to the people over here, you know, from Oshawa, she, she had gone through classes and gone through yes. like all of these sorts of things. And so she's like, babe, did you not hear, you know, uh, did you not hear the, the, what, what was going on and what this person said and, you know, yes. and, and didn't. And I'm like, babe, no. This is okay. Just, no, I'm like, they were no. just being, they, you know, they just, there's just some things they don't understand. And I just did not note it. Uh, you know, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I actually became a facilitator for institutional racism. So I watched a lot of videos, obviously experienced it, did the whole white privilege walk, did a lot of um, different mapping. What is of, the white privilege watch? I think that's good too. Okay, to yes. Know. The white privilege walk is when we all came into a room, and I did high level executives from all different organizations. Um, we, we came into a room and there would be a facilitator that would ask certain questions and we all would start at the back of the room with our holding each other's hand and then when there's a question asked like can you go to the grocery store and buy your hair products take one step forward and at that moment people that did not look like me would walk one step ahead then they'll ask questions like um, can you um, have in in your lifetime was most of your teachers look like you and then step and then at by the end of the questions there would be a huge gap between minorities and people um, white people and that is pretty much understanding privilege how that works yeah and that's a very powerful statement things like white privilege for example uh, you know and again there this is not I want you to understand, you know, that we're unearthing and, and giving language to some things and definitions to some things that a lot of people, man, like, they just never thought of or never even knew existed. And so white privilege is one of those things. Like, I never realized that I had to go to a specific store to buy my hair products. You know, I've had, I had hair for a very long time, and it's just kind of like there are certain things that I didn't note or realize until my wife started pointing them out, you know, um, that I got to go to a specific section in a grocery store if there is something there that I, you know, um, that I never, there were certain um, authority figures that I saw. Like I would go to some churches where there are white pastors or white-led organizations where the whole congregation is visible minorities, but then you go to a church that has black-led leadership and there are barely any white people in that context. And I never noted. Why is well, it? Well, I think also you like didn't that? note because you grew up in a very black community. Very true. So when you went to your Nicey's or whatever store you were going to. Um, big up Nicey's, yes, big up Mr. Charlie's. You, Come on, fam. Y'all you, you didn't recognize that. Very true. For me in Oshawa, I had to go downtown somewhere, back a yard somewhere to find some store to get a hair yeah. product. It, and so I think uh, your experience, it was very accessible to you because you were in that community. And it's crazy because even in, I'll say this, even in blatant situations, yes, like there are things that would happen and I, we were just re kind of recounting and looking out. Uh, I recently on my Facebook, if you don't follow us on social, I encourage you to do so uh, at G Andrew Beresford on Instagram. Um, or at Chantal Beresford on Instagram, or even on Facebook. And I shared this, you know, this letter where a 
predominantly um, white-led um, organization in the States, which has a branch here, you know, I experienced um, when I first came to Toronto and we were preparing to launch Serve City, we ended up, you know, launching with an incredible organization. Uh, but before that, we were a part of the branch, the Canadian branch of this organization. I'm being very careful not calling names and all of that. But there were things that happened, you know, like there was a mix-up, for example. We were preparing, we were getting ready to launch the church. And as we're getting ready to launch the church, is it okay for pastors to be honest? I mean, I, I was in this situation. I did not even have a clue. There was a mix-up where they, um, on their end, they failed to send me important information. And I was, was ill-prepared for, um, for an assignment that we had. There was a vetting process. And so I get up. And, you know, um, and it was supposed, you were supposed to get a text and prepare and do all these things and then preach like a, I forgot how five long, minutes. a five minute message, you know, on this thing. And so I get up there and I'm getting ready to, you know, preach and I do my part and I, you know, and I, and I preach my, my guts out. I took the text. I tried my best, you know, and the people applauded and they were blessed by God's grace, you know, on the spot. And it was made clear um, that I preached you know, that message extemporaneously. And the thing was that after this, you know, like it was, we already established with the leadership that they made a mistake and consequently this is why I was ill-prepared um, and I did my best. But nonetheless, in that moment, they, you know, they, they railed me as, I don't know if I was the only black person on no. the stage at that time. No. Yeah, but we were obviously were the minority and looking around in the environment, you know, so they then proceed uh, in like American Idol judge style to blast me in front of all of the people in the room about the importance of studying to preach and not just relying on your talent, you know, and, you know, and, and making sure you got to employ hermeneutics, which is the science of Bible interpretation, and make sure that you're not just relying on your talent. So I didn't lose it. It was, a, it was obviously a, a sharp statement. I just kind of took it, you know, in a, in, in a play from a place of humility by God's grace. And then after... Even after it was made clear, all the things were made clear, one of the leaders pulls me aside and he goes and he asks me, he says, you know, he talks to me in a real condescending manner and he goes, you know, are you developmentally challenged? So this guy literally pulls me aside and this white leader, even after it was made clear the situation and all of that, I was not being abrasive, I was not yelling, I wasn't doing nothing. And he pulls me aside, asks me, am I developmentally challenged? And I said, no, my husband prays. <laughs> I, I, he, he's a praying man. He studies. He, he knows his word without a shame. Wow. At that moment. And so in that moment after, my wife was like, babe, do you realize what just happened? I'm like, nah, babe. Uh, you know, they, they, maybe they just didn't get. So this is how naive I was. I didn't understand. I knew that it was rude, but I didn't see in that moment. You have to be able to see beyond like what was happening in that moment. So I didn't notice it. And then, <laughs> and then. Can we just, can we just, we just, we just bearing it all. If you haven't invited somebody, you need to invite somebody to watch this and share it even in the replay. Because look, then now, so even through all of this, we passed through it. We walked through the process. You know, I was just like, babe, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Then we get to the table to sign the document to say, you know what, we're going to be a part of this thing or whatever. These white leaders are there and we're at this table and we're preparing. I couldn't make it. Wifey couldn't make it for so, whatever reason. So I was on the phone. So, I, so we took the phone. How many of you know that the speakerphone uh, ministry is effective <laughs> sometimes? So she's there. She's on speakerphone. They know, so we're not like, you know, incognitoing it or something. <laughs> and these people in this moment, fam, 
they're going to come to me and before we sign, because we're like, you know what? We're going to push past some stuff for the sake of the gospel. And they're like, they just start loading us with stuff we have to agree to, right? That are microaggressive presuppositions about black leaders, black church leaders, and black churches, well, black-led churches. They led the conversation was, your wife will not get any special treatment or your children. <laughs> that, that was the first statement before <laughs> discussing anything to make it very clear that your wife is not going to be a first lady type of thing. That was really what the... That was the first thing, right? And we're just kind of like, are you serious? You really led the conversation with that fam? You couldn't even ask the man them. You couldn't even be like, what were you basing that that was going to happen on? But those were examples. And that was the place where I realized and when I noted that there, you know, although I still didn't even have the full language, needless to say, we said, nah, we're not going with this. We left up out of there and we said, you know, thank you for your time. But we realized that it is real. And I was very naive as it pertains to some of these things, right? So, you know, going back to the text, right? Because there's, we're not just here to bat, we're not here at all to bash white people. And you, you are, you're healed from the you situation. Know? And I am healed. I've just never spoken about yes. this before because I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't until after time. I mean, um, that, I, that I noted these things. So it's important. I want to just let you know because somebody, you might be experiencing these things and you don't even realize it, right? Yes. So, you know, going back to the text here in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, we need to make sure and understand this because even with these crazy experiences mm -hmm. and even with the prevalence and the pervasive um, presence of racism and anti-black racism and things of this nature and even though we grew up in varying backgrounds and all of this this should not hinder us mm -hmm. from having the relationships that we need to have and I love this because this is a picture of the end of time yes this verse right here, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. And so we're going to read this. And I want you to look at this. The Bible says, after this, I looked and behold, here it is, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. Somebody in the chat type every nation, every nation, every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages. Note this here, right? It says standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and watch what they're doing and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb this is a powerful passage of scripture and it it notes where things are headed so although we have craziness in our lives right now although racism is prevalent and we most definitely need to talk about these things deal with them confront them head on the reason why is not because we're supposed to be like you know black people are the best the reason why is not because we're supposed to be like white people are the best or any people are the best it's because we need to have this view of heaven and this understanding that one day we are all going to be together we're all going to walk together and to be together in worship so this idea of praying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven mm -hmm. how many of you want to see we got to start right now come on you know there's going to be no white heaven or no black heaven or no chinese heaven or no south asian heaven there there is going we're all multi all peoples a number that couldn't be numbered mm. so this is the reason why we're doing this in living color this idea of realizing that things are not black and white and it's not going to be that way in the end of time come on so we got to start right 
now, right now, with this picture. And as we're thinking about the nations of the world. And I thought way, about that when it says that every nation, tribe, and language. What's so powerful right now, currently, there's 195 nations in the world. Wow. Can you imagine at that time seeing 195 nations? Also, currently, there's like 7,000 languages in the world. Wow. And I think when we think about it, sometimes we think about heaven maybe in our own world, but it's big. Like, it's the world going to be represented. Every knee shall bow. It's going to be every different type of color, language, people Thank at you, the feet of Jesus. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah. You know, when even, even in this whole fight, and, and this is, I think, a good place for us to talk about. It's in this fight as we're talking about, you know, anti-black racism and all this sorts of stuff. That's not, you know, black people are not the only people that, um, that we, and, and the idea of fighting against racism shouldn't be the only goal, right? In order to see this end picture, we have to fight against racism, but we also have to understand that there's more to this than just black people, just white people. There are so many people that exist. And it's important because I remember talking to a friend of mine, a pastor friend here um, in town of a, a prevalent church, and he was sharing with me, he was like, man, you know, even as it pertains to anti-black racism, there's so many different perspectives. I think he has like 50 nations represented in his church. And he was like, I know how I'm dealing with this as a white guy, and you know how you're dealing with this as a black guy, but I'm also hearing conversations of how, you know, salvation people are dealing with the things that are happening and how, um, and the, even the struggles that they face and Native Americans and, and Native Canadians and also people um, who are, you know, from other places. So we have to understand that this is even bigger than us, right? This is bigger than our, um, our, our perception from just where we are. And so the first thing that we want to kind of dive into um, and I hope that you're, you're with us. If you're with us, say, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, the first thing that we want to note, online uh, chat hosts, go ahead and put this in the chat. When we're talking about getting to this end picture and starting to see heaven on earth right now, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I want us to understand that in order for this, we have to be intentional about celebration. Come on. We got to be intentional about celebration. You know, the, the, the challenge with what's happening right now is, it's a lot about, you know, retaliation. Like a lot of the stuff that we celebrate, like especially when it comes to black people and all this stuff, it's like, man, it's all out of, you know, there's a traumatic event that happens. There's a media inflamed event that happens. And so now we got to champion and celebrate a certain color, a, a certain culture, you know, and it's important. We've got to be intentional about celebration. You know, the fact is that it shouldn't be, this is where, especially when we're talking about relationships, but also even with the Black uh, Lives Matter, you know, uh, conversation and even just, you know, anti-black racism and all this. We, this is why we're not confining black celebration to just February. Come on. It's black 365 in these streets. Come man. on. I'm not just black in February. Yeah, I'm black every single one of these days. And what we're doing right now, if you've been following us at Serve City GTA on Instagram, we're highlighting people uh, and incredible people, not just in our church, but also around and business owners and all these people that you need to support 365. Yes. It's not just like, oh, we got a, we got a budget in February. <laughs> You know, and so we just got to, okay, what black movements can I uh, support? Him? No, you need to be supporting us throughout the year because it's not just trauma-based. It's not just month-based. It's 365 that we ought to be intentional and they're about in your And they're in your community right now. Come on. So it's like we want to celebrate our community, and which is they're in your community. And so we were talking about relationships. We don't just wait once a month or once our anniversary to celebrate. We want to celebrate 
any time when you're in relationships. I think about years ago, we had some good friends come over. They used to come over every Thursday night at our mm -hmm. house. We used to watch shows. And I remember one time they were sharing that they'd been at their job for 10 years and their work never recognized that they'd been there that long. And so the next week, my husband and I were like, we're thinking, you know what, let's do something. And yeah. so they came over the next, the next Thursday night and what we did is we printed our own certificate of like 10 year celebration for them. We bought a cake and so when we came over, we made a big entrance, we yeah. showed them their certificate, we brought out the cake, because you know what, any, there's always a time to celebrate. We do not wait for other people to celebrate us, but if you're in a good community, they should be celebrating you and that's healthy. Yeah, man, you need to celebrate the man them, celebrate the gal them, celebrate your friends. Like, you know what I mean? Don't wait. Don't just be in a position where you, you know, wait for others to do it. It's important. Like, we recently, even in terms of relationships, because we're talking about race and relationships, you know, you know, there is my wife, we, we especially during COVID, fam, yeah. you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, who, you know, you got, we find everything to celebrate. Everything's a party. Everything is a date night. We drive to the, you know, you go to Walmart without the kids, fam. <laughs> date, date. That's a date night Come on. let's go right we get to walk up and down and oh don't worry mom i'll be back mom if you're watching you know uh, i love you but don't worry mom we'll be back in uh you just you know the line is just really really long you know what i mean and we're just taking a couple extra laps you know but the thing is it's like we celebrate like we just celebrated 17 years that we've been together we've been only married for for 15, four, 15 this year yes, 15. 15 this year uh but we've been together for 17. 17 years and so we had just celebrated our anniversary <laughs> our wedding anniversary in november but then we shouted out and we celebrated uh you know uh, that we were together for 17 years and somebody came in the chat and was like in our chat and was like man you know happy anniversary but i thought y'all just celebrated is this the third is wedding this anniversary the, is this the third anniversary that y'all celebrated recently or something and i was like yeah it sure is fam because we we're we gotta find trust me man you cannot wait like stop all these milestones and stuff we put in place i'm gonna wait till the 50th birthday we don't know what's gonna happen by the 50th birthday you gotta celebrate celebrate the 48th the 49th the, you know what i mean mm -hmm. celebrate everything you can not just when trauma's here come on but but celebrate it and make it a plan a people of and celebration. for us we don't wait for um valentine's day come on and for us we've been married almost 15 years we've never given each other a christmas gift because we're always giving gifts like Absolutely. we love to surprise each other like it's one of our things that we love to do and it's like and it doesn't have to be big surprises it's like i buy your favorite cherry chocolate cookie i mean chocolate the cherry blossom yes Yo, she knows and i'll man. put them on the pillow and he comes home he's like oh my gosh i have chocolate it's not even about the money it's about the stuff that matters mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying like we're not even it's 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 trying to find ways that's why honestly you can never exhaust love really come on you know what i mean like you you're always in a position where if you're paying attention you know you'll find uh you'll find ways to please complicated uh people <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing it's a journey it's an endeavor it's a privilege and mm. me with those little cherry blossoms with the cream inside and the, the nice is it called marciano cherries or whatever i like that They're stuff gross so people think that's gross but i like them especially the big old ones uh but you know what? i was thinking man a long time ago i'll never forget i used to post a lot about my wife and somebody had the audacity and the unmitigated gall, fam to come in my inbox and say pastor you know, you're called to preach the gospel. You need to pray. You need to, you know, spend more time posting about the gospel and less time about your wife. If and, I could send him a virtual and slap. Children. And children. Mm -hmm. Right? And I'm like, Baba says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. 
And so much so that he's the head of it and gave his life for her and all this stuff. Do you know that when I love, hey, I just felt I'm about to run around the stage. When I love all my wife, I'm preaching the gospel. Come on. Come on. Say that. When I love all my wife, I'm preaching the gospel. Yes. Come on, somebody. Because when they see me love her, especially in a time when, uh, can I even, when they think that people don't love their spouse, and can I even take it a step further because I'm a black man, they think that we don't, are not capable of doing all these. I, you, the devil is a liar. I'm preaching the gospel and make, and coming against y'all stereotypes all in one. Don't try to squelch or surveil me and tell me what I need to do and what I'm doing too much of. The devil is a liar. Come on. I felt that right there. That was good. Listen, intentional about celebration. That's it. And so we will not only use trauma or what's going into society to celebrate or change our um, work structure or leadership structure because of that. And so. um, Yeah, man, definitely. You know, and I think the thing is that people always tell us stuff like you probably already hear this. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? You probably already hear this. You already, you know, know this. Like, especially as pastors, it's like, you probably already. And I'm like, listen, fam, just because there are people in our lives that you think are, you know, telling us stuff, you never just assume that people are hearing or being celebrated enough. It's true. Especially if God's put somebody on your heart, you know, make the attempt and do your part to actually you know, I feel I feel like we withhold celebration because we feel like we're gonna pump people's egos too much. Oh, that's good. Baby. And a lot of times we under celebrate because we're in our flesh thinking we don't want to. But you know what? But there's something we can never outgive God, and we can never outgive giving people good affirmations of who wow. who God really is to them. And so never withhold because you're too scared it's gonna pump up their egos. The Bible actually encourages us to outdo one another in honor. Yes. Like that, that's what the Bible encourages us to do. So, yo fam, I'm going to, I'm going to honor the heck out of like, because you know, we should be in, instead of being in competition with people about other stupidness, mm-hmm. right? We need to, we need to be intentional about doing people in honor and celebrating one another. You know, it's like, you know, those people you text with and they always have to say the last word. <laughs> Like, it's like that, like not competition, but like, you know, no, you're so good. No, but you're good. Like having that healthy dialogue. I feel like we have more competition. We have more complaining, but we don't have enough celebration or enough cheerleaders in our lives to tell us, hey, you know what? Because who knows that in in our thoughts, we're battling. The battle of the mind is real. And sometimes we need people to tell us, you know what, what God is doing in their life, what they're seeing through us, what God's doing. And so never withhold some good news to people. And don't, don't, if you're like even a white person or a black person or any type of person, right? You have to not think to yourself and be like, you know what, man, Um, I'm going to wait for this moment to say something, or maybe this person is going to be offended by me saying such and such. Yo, don't live your life in fear like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you sometimes you need to push beyond yourself and celebrate people that don't look like you. Come on. Right? Celebrate them, post about them. It don't matter. Wait if you if you feel like, you know, doing it through February it's a trip or whatever the case is, wait till March 1st, <laughs> you know? Do it in Mar- like do it in another month. Like just be intentional though about loving. I got some great friends that do that with me and I do with others as well. And I think that that's intentional. In fact, uh, the apostle Paul says some great stuff in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, if you, you can grab your Bible. Uh, babe, why don't you go ahead and read that? 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read from verse 19, what, no, no, 19, <laughs> no perfect people allowed, 19 through 26. All right, it says, if all, were single, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, 
And it is, there are many parts, yet one body, that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, yeah. nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, yeah. which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has no composed... But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts of that lack it, yeah. 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another, 26. If one member suffers, all suffers together. If one member is honored, all rejoices together. So that's beautiful. I love it. The Apostle Paul, he's talking about the body of Christ, obviously, but he's making it clear. He's saying the, the, the parts that don't really get honor, you know, those are the parts that we ought to honor. We need to be intentional about it. And what I love is how he ends it. He says, if we all suffer, we suffer. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. You, uh, th this for this spirit of competition, not just in the body, but just in around people. We shouldn't, you know, be tripping because someone uh, or one people group that is, you know, that is not honored as much get is getting honored. Mm -hmm. You know, we should see it as yo, as the human race, we should be like yo, we all win together. Mm -hmm. When we see someone being, we shouldn't be jealous and oh my, why y'all say oh again, all y'all people, you get too much. I mean, come on, why you got? Forget all that. Mm -hmm. We should be happy when we see others celebrated because we are all um, a part of the human race together. And so with this being in mind, not only are we intentional about celebration, right? Be intentional about celebration, but we've also, if we're going to see that end picture, we've got to be intentional about treating unchecked trauma. Let me say it again. We've got to be intentional. Somebody in the chat put this. We've got to be intentional about treating unchecked trauma. So most definitely, uh, we've got to be intentional about celebrating, and we need to make sure we're celebrating not just from a trauma-based event or things of this nature, but also, but also, if there is unchecked trauma on either side, whether you are, you know, black and you've experienced racism, or you're white and you, you know, you experience certain things that your parents or your environment told you, and this has hindered you from being able to, you know, think, or you may have received some traumatic things on the behalf of other people that don't look like you. We've got to be intentional about checking that because then we begin to live from that sort of a position. And I think time. when it comes to intentionality, we have to be intentional what we're ingesting. Amen. Let's talk about social media, which is we all, not all, but a lot of us scroll. We have to be careful when, especially when there's inflamed events that we need to be when we're looking and we're seeing everyone upset about whatever, say when George Floyd or whatever situation is that we have all this like upset um, media in our scrolling and so we have to be okay because you know what I'm gonna take a day a 24-hour break from yeah. social media because my mental capacity cannot handle that and we have to celebrate that because I feel like sometimes we get mad at people like you don't know what's going on you don't want to read the news you need to check the if it's trauma and that's too much you have to be you know okay so you know I'm taking a step back at this moment and I'm gonna come back when I feel comfortable and ready to handle the inflamed information on social media yeah that's very true because I mean I mean a lot of people even friends didn't realize that yo when you keep asking me questions especially in many cases asking us to fix um, or or provide a key for so, for a lock that you made 
you know, and you don't realize that um, hearing these things over and over and over again, seeing a man with his, a black man with his neon, the neon his neck, and it don't matter what side you fall on or you really think, like I said, everybody, all this conspiracy foolishness, it's even, no matter what side you fall on, even just seeing these things visually, um, it's important for us to be wise and to make sure that we are intentional about not allowing ourselves to be you know, filled with this. And I want to say that stuff. even when we're celebrating um, in Black History Month, we don't always have to be promoting the trauma. Like the slavery, it's great. People need Come to be on. educated, but there's a lot of black joy up in there that has happened. We have kings and queens. We have a lot of a good, even films that people are watching. There's not only the trauma-based films. There's some amazing barbershop. It's a great film to watch. <laughs> there's a lot of other things that I think we need to promote while we're um, promoting black joy. That's amazing, fam. Like, I mean, we joyful just like everybody else, you know? And if you need counseling, and it's not just around black people, again, it's people in general. You know, a lot of you, and I'm realizing even other cultures and people from different varying backgrounds, you know, this stuff is traumatic for you as well. And the and you and I, we have to be intentional. If you need therapy, go get some therapy. Jesus and therapy. You know, Jesus and therapy can work. If you need to go and talk with somebody, go have the conversation. Because, you know, you don't, you don't go around just playing macho and all this stuff. Ta therapy and those types of things are taboo. Of course, we encourage Christian therapy. Uh, because they're going to be coming at you from a godly perspective, and hopefully, and a biblical perspective. Nowadays, you got to say hopefully, fam. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's imperative, not nullifying the experience of people, but making sure that we are not just living from a trauma-based place and that we are not going through life with unchecked trauma because that oftentimes is one of the biggest hindrances from us being able to engage and have the relationships that are necessary. And I want to say that too. A lot of times, a lot, a lot of times, even with that, we don't even go into the industry's jobs that God has placed in our hearts because we have untracked trauma. We don't think we're good enough. The words that we've heard from a child, yeah. thinking that only you could be this, and if that's only who's, if people are not celebrating you or speaking that, that's the level of what you're going to sometimes execute in your life. And Very so true. it's so important that you go back and figure out what's the why. Why do I do this? Like why do I get up every morning? Why am I in the, in the industry? And a lot of times, there's unchecked things in our lives that we. Even me, and I'll be very honest, there's things that God has placed in my heart that I want to do, but wow. I don't have the confidence. I have the insecurity because things that people have whispered over the years in my ear that I can't walk it out. Wow. And then the thing is, like, even in a relationship, you can have friends, you can have family, you can have spouses that are telling you, you can do this. You know, you're, you're great, you're able, and all of this, and it just bounces off. It's just water off a duck's back. It just pours, spills all over the ground because if you're not dealing with it, if you're filled with all of the things that people have said, then you're unable. I mean, even for myself, I had to really navigate, if I can just be honest. Once I realized what actually was happening, I mean, I once sat in an, in an interview for over six hours with a room full of um, predominantly white guys who were interviewing me because they said, and their biggest concern what I was, this, was that I was gonna be too black for their environment. I mean, you could fill two buckets with sweat Right. And they literally told me they thought they were concerned that I was going to be too black. And again, mind you, I was so naive. Right. And I still went through the process. I still even went into that employment in, uh, endeavor mm -hmm. um, and accepted it. And it wasn't until even after this when my wife is like, babe, don't you see what happened? You know, don't you get this? And I'm like, nah. But then when it finally clicked. Listen, let's stop that for a second. Yeah. I think the reason why you didn't receive it is because it was wrapped into church. 
Ah, oh, are you going to preach right now? No, I think what happened was because you thought they were church people. You thought that they were in the Bible. They had a really great slogan for their organization. And you felt like, you know what? No. Listen, can we tell you that some of the greatest racism that we have experienced was in in an ecclesiastical context? uh, In, in, let me just break it down, church, right? (laughs) In church, fam, churchy people can be some of the most racist people in Jesus' name. With confidence. With confidence. And, you know, we've been in those environments. We've never even really talked about those things in our church context. Mm-hmm. We've spoken. We've been on other platforms. But, I mean, we've been in environments where, we, where we're the only people of color in a room, and they say stuff like, you know, uh, like, I don't see color, you know? And those sorts of basic microaggressive statements, being in those environments... You know, and we're like, again, wow, this is nuts. Because, again, in a church context where, where people, you'll say something and somebody else will say something microaggressive to try and cancel out what you just said or make their thing better. But church can be one of the challenging things. And that specific situation was one of the most difficult. Because I didn't realize. I'm like, man, I'm in church. How could this be the case? But I realized when we got here, if we're going to reach people in one of the most diverse nations in the world, mm-hmm. if we are going to, if we're going to you know, have this opportunity to connect, I got to have trauma healed. Mm-hmm. I got to be intentional about working this thing out so that, and, you know, so that I, can have, uh, I can position myself. And I think right? what we, we need to realize with the kingdom, with people, we all, when we cut ourselves, we all bleed blood. And we, there's, all, there's something we can all connect with one another. And I think that was, I'm always telling my husband, like, no, let's not give up. Like, I feel like there's hope. And I, <laughs> let's give more grace because I really believe if we want to get to the end goal of heaven, heaven on earth, what it looks like, we have to be willing to have some tough conversations. Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to um, go through and sometimes educate even when we don't want to educate. Wow. Wow. So good, babe. And I think... Yeah, I think we have to also check, even something I would check for all of us is to go through your Rolodex in your phone, who is in your circle of influence, so good. who is in your scroll, is it only people that look like you? Are you opening up? Because that's the beauty of people. Everyone has amazing experiences. And so, you know, if it's great to go to Nices, but sometimes I want some Indian food, sometimes I want different Very flavors. Good. Like the, God has created so many beautiful flavors and spices in the world. And if you only know one, especially not, no knock mom, I love you. But my, you know, my, my mother-in-law is like vegetarian, but she likes and will ever dietary, they like bland food, like, you know? But if that's all you know your whole life, Sometimes you're missing out on other things, some amazing other spices in the world. And I think sometimes we get caught up in our little circles or cliques or communities and not to experience other people. Man, I remember going to India and I'm just like, India was absolutely beautiful, man. And going into Hyderabad and Rajamandri and Vashakapatnam and all of these beautiful places, especially Vashakapatnam. I mean, and, and going and traveling where they travel, eating where they eat and, you know, going to the beach and what that looks like in their context. Man, I'm going to cry. I just think about India and, and you know, my family over there. And, um, it, you know, and but I never would have had that experience if I did not, you know, go into that environment. And I just want to thank you, babe, especially my wife. Like now I have a heart for the nations of the world. Mm-hmm. But I was the guy that when I first met her, because of my um, homogenous uh, existence at that time, I was not interested in going anywhere. She had already traveled to Africa and the Middle East and all these various places. And for me, I was like, man, like, even, and then even in terms of like now, and that's what you mentioned, 
when we were going through stuff and people were being you know, racist and saying crazy things to us, she was challenging me. She was the one that was like, babe, we got to hang in there for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, because I became militant once I realized, oh, no, power to the people. Not fam, you're not going to shade me anymore. And she's like, babe, no, no, no. But the end picture is Revelation 7, 9, and 10. Come on. We want to see heaven on earth. And unless we hang in there for tough conversations and love people like Jesus loved them, we're not going to be able to fulfill this assignment that God has given us. Especially and you got to remember your why, because I really, truly believe that God has called a pioneer heart for us, for our wow. church, for our community, and beyond. Surf City is not just going to be a name for Toronto, but it's going to be beyond the nations of the world. And yeah. if we are not willing to deal with this at a local level, how can we go to the nations? Wow. You're going to be Surf City on, on Mars. Right? <laughs> right? But it's important, you know, and I just think about Bob Marley. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. Yes. None but ourselves can free our mind. For a fear for atomic energy, and none of them cannot stop at the time. That's the second time around when he does that part right there. <laughs> How long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? They say it's just a part of it, but we got to fulfill the book. But look, you know, but the idea is, he says, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Yeah. And I think this idea about being intentional about treating unchecked trauma you know, some of us, we're not even in chains. We're not in this anymore physically, but mentally, fam. Mm-hmm. The way we see ourselves is trauma-based and we're limited in our perspective. You know, like when you look at how the Jews acted, even as it mm-hmm. pertained to Jesus, they was nuts. Like I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently and he was like, bro, when you think about this, you know, Jewish people have massive, you know, experiences with slavery even with Egypt and all these things and all this. But then when they hung around and they were talking with Jesus, Jesus and, you know, um, they were said, they said, we were never enslaved to anyone. Mm-hmm. And Abraham is our father. And it's like, how could people with such a depth, such a deep and pervasive history with slavery make such a statement that we've never been enslaved to anyone and we are such and such and such is because their perspective of themselves was beyond, mm-hmm. right? It was above and it was beyond the slavery encounter and the various things that they had. And for us, it's like, yo, you know what, man? I, don't, I know what's happened and we got to deal with it. But I feel like there's that we can rise above this stuff. And we can progress. And listen, fam, I'm not waiting for anybody to hand me nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not waiting for people to put stuff in my hand for me to progress or do stuff. I want to take what I have and the knowledge and the things and learn and do what I can do to be able to move past and push past and leave and build a different uh, future for my, for my children. And so we really believe moving forward is intentional about your relationships Amen. in any form. And those of who are trying to buy a house, you got to look in the community. What, if you have if potential children or you have children, what type of school are they going to go to? Oh, that's good, babe. You know, you got to think what intention you are. And I think about the book of Ruth and how when they were moving into a new city, you have to think about when you go to a new city, who are you going to be around? If you're only having access to a certain amount of people, that's all you're going to have access to. And so when you think about choosing schools for your kids, what type of teachers are there? Yeah. What type of community um, like outreaches they have in there? And so I think we have to be inten- intentional with relationships. When we go to um, school, even your church, not saying you have to go to di- I'm not saying you have to go to a diverse church, but just be intentional when you're picking your relationships and your organizations that you want to be a part of. Yeah, and then even for those of you, because you're, you're bosses, you know, 
There are people who are bosses that are watching. There are people who are organizational leaders we know who are watching. Um, and you have to be intentional about who you're hiring and who it is that you are, you know, putting on your staff, who it is that you are giving uh, places of power, you know, instead of guessing what it is that people who don't look like you would like to experience or see or whatever. You got to be to the place where you understand and you're like, you know what, man, I've got to, you know, be intentional about gathering people to myself and giving people a seat at the table um, who may be different and who um, don't look like, you know, who don't look like me, you know, and, and I think that this is an important thing as well, like, you know. Yes, when we're getting into relationships, we have to check the motives. Mm -hmm. When we're getting to any even like romantic relationship or, um, or friendship relationships, why are we connecting? A lot of times people connect, unfortunately, to use you, use your platform, use your resources, wow. use whatever you have because they just want, they don't really want you, they want your stuff. Token ministry. <laughs> in many regards yes you know and it's important so we got to make sure our motives are right so with this being said you know being intentional about relations so we got to be intentional about celebration mm -hmm. you know this is stuff that we're, we're we're encouraging you to do things that you can do to help and that we can continue to do to get towards uh this end goal of revelation 7 9 intentional about celebration intentional about treating unchecked trauma some of you your next step is going to be to go and actually you know call somebody or have a conversation with a friend or you know bounce some stuff off some people it's imperative and then the last one being intentional about relationships checking your relationships and so with this being said you know we challenge you around um the way that we get here this you know hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 through 3 you know, the, the supposed Apostle Paul uh, shares some powerful things and the gospel is wrapped up in there as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's a great scripture for us to bring the plane down on that I think will be uh, helpful as we're talking about in living color and, and seeing this. You want to read it? Um, sure. Hebrews 12, 1. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great by a so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, That's looking good. to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh my, that, 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 what a powerful passage which is just wrapped in the gospel, like gospel in a blanket, you know. <laughs> I just love it because it's saying that Jesus, this idea of, you know, because of what Christ did, we are to look to him mm -hmm. who is the author and the finisher of our faith. It is he who has begun a good work in us and it is he who will bring it to completion mm. upon the return of Christ. I believe you actually preached about that in your uh, most recent message in, in Philippians 1 verse 6. And it's this idea and this perspective. He says that because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we've got to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Lay aside the weight and the sin. And so it's important for us to lay it aside, to put it, to put it aside, to get to the place where we where we don't allow it to weigh us down or bog us down or hold us down. You know, the, the things that have been holding us back, the, the trauma that has been challenging us and stopping us, we've got to lay aside that weight. Mm -hmm. Even if that means conversations, counseling, whatever it means, we've got to lay aside, most importantly, prayer. Lay aside the weight that so easily besets us. And then it says we've got to look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So someone, you're like, man, this is challenging. This is difficult. 
This is hard. This is a challenging thing. I mean, this is, this is nuts. This is out of the ordinary. I mean, I've endured so much pain. I've endured so much challenges. I mean, I don't, I'm mad. I'm bent, as we would say in Toronto. The man them just have me bent up, right? And we got to get to the place where we're like, you know what? We still have to push past mm -hmm. because Jesus died and he endured the cross so that we could be not only in relationship with God, but this relationship that was severed between God and us, but also so that we could be a part mm -hmm. of helping to create and get to this end picture with every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people. And so with this in mind, we end today, and we would be remiss if we did not give you and extend to you the opportunity to join this family. I don't know what you've heard about Christianity. I don't know what you've heard about all of this sorts of stuff. But I want you to understand and to realize that God's hand is open to you. Christianity is not the white man's religion. It's not the white man's religion. It's not made and it was not created to enslave black people. As I've told you time and time before and you know, we did a whole series on this that Christianity was in Africa before, before the transatlantic slave trade. For black people who are like, no, this isn't the, no, it was in there way before. Way, way, way before. And we have history of this in places like Ethiopia and even in sub-Saharan African context. The gospel was there before. Mm -hmm. And even though there were people who used the Bible to enslave and used it out of context to promote a Christianity that was not biblical, I want to let you know that this is not the heart of God. And this is not the God of the Bible. And so the fact of the matter is we invite you and we encourage you today to put trust in the God of the Bible who his name is Yahweh, the most high God, who when he saw that we were fractured and we were jacked up and we're dispersed all over the world and all of this stuff we're separated from god he says you know what john 3 16 god so loved the world yes the cosmos so much that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him whosoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life and so today, it doesn't matter who you look like, who you are, what you look like, where you're from, any of those things. The door is open to you. God died. God put on flesh and he came to the earth and lived perfect because you and I would not. And he went to the cross and he died for your sins and he rose from death with all power. And today he extends this love to you and I. And for many of us, the reason why we have an issue with loving people who don't look like us or even loving our spouses or loving the reason why is because we do not have this enablement through the power of God in our life that comes through first having relationship with God. The reason why we can't be healed and we can't experience the healing that God extends to us through the cross is because we are not in relationship with God. And so today, if you are under the sound of my voice and you're hearing this and you're like, I don't have a relationship with God and I want this strength and this power that you're talking about. Today is your day. I want to invite you. We want to invite you into relationship with God. You're saying, how, do I, how does this happen? Well, Bible says that if you believe in what Jesus has done for you in his coming to the earth and dying for your sins, dying in your place and rising from death, 
If you believe this, if you believe this and you give your life to him, you put your faith in him, your trust in him. And if you ask him to be the Lord of your life, to be the boss, to be the king of your life, that you will not perish. That you will not perish and you'll have everlasting life. Be with God forever. And the relationship can start right now, right now, right now. And so I'm getting ready to lead a prayer of commitment getting ready to lead this prayer of commitment and if you are that person and you're like you know what my relationship with God is challenged you know and I want to come back home you might have run away from him but he's never run away from you Amen. this might be your first time you can make that decision today make make this decision and let us know about it and so I'm going to lead this prayer uh, but on the count of three if that person's you I want to pop that hand up I want you to pop the hand up if you're like that's me today today is my day to come back home or to the first time to say yes to Jesus here we go on the count of three I want you to pop the hand up one two three come on pop that hand up right now if that person is you're like today i'm making that decision today today i'm coming back home where i'm giving him my life for the first time praise the lord glory to god we see you right there in the spirit in your living room right where you are glory to god and so listen in this moment i'm gonna lead this prayer and i want you to repeat it after me and i want you to i want you to mean it with all your heart it's not the prayer that saves but this is a line in the sand that's being drawn yes. and serve city family i want you to pray this with us too because we don't let people pray by themselves we want them to pray with support and so we just say god, god. thank you for sending jesus jesus thank you for dying for our sins and rising from death with all power i give you my life be the lord of my life and be with me now and forevermore in jesus mighty name Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. I want you to celebrate Woo! today. Come on. Go ahead and give the Lord praise today. If that person is you and you made a decision for Christ on today, we celebrate with you. Praise the Lord.